On the Pilot TV podcast this week, we are entering the world of school-run politics in BBC Two's Motherland, letting the creepy back in in season two of anthology creep show The Terror, and putting on our skin suits to get reacquainted with the Whisperers as Michonne, Eugene and the gang return for a tenth season of The Walking Dead. I'm James Dyer and welcome to the Pilot TV podcast, a show that was recently given one star on iTunes and described as, and I quote, a TV review podcast disguised as an anti-Brexit, anti-Tory, anti-Trump yawn fest. (laughs) Avoid like the plague, which seems entirely fair. However, another reviewer going under the name of Long Live Funny or Dyer, like it, said... The Pilot TV podcast is basically the IT crowd. Terry is Jen, Boyd is Roy, and of course James is Moss. And I suppose Chris Hewitt is Matt Berry's Rainhome, the mad supporting character who occasionally pops up and says unspeakably vulgar things. Five stars. And we're being, hang on, hang on. We're being trolled by right wing pro-Brexit people. Well, no, just the first one. The second one seemed to be quite fond of the show. Oh, well, yes. (laughs) There is a guy on Twitter who um, weirdly seems to listen to podcasts I'm involved in and, like, any radio show that I get involved in and then incessantly, if I ever do mention left-wing politics, which I obviously invariably do, always goes on at me about it and he's furious as if, like, I'm some kind of BBC employee. He's not allowed to... has to be unbiased at all times. I'm not. I can just say what I like. He's yeah. a, uh, so I've got a feeling it might be him This the, who, who did that review. He's a stick to TV. Yeah. Stick to yeah. TV's Boyd Hilton. Yeah. Do not mention yeah, Boyd. Ignore the world. Stick to Game of Thrones. Stop being political, Boyd. Yeah. So I think it's going to be him. That's my feeling. Well, along those lines. And rejoining us, you've already heard her. Rejoining <laughs> us after last week's absence is our very own... Jen, uh, having skived off last night's Empire podcast in Liverpool, a live Empire podcast in Liverpool, as she had, quote unquote, work commitments. She is nevertheless live in the flesh for today's pilot, uh, willing and able to make up for all the opportunities to call me a bell end that she missed last week. It's Terry White. Hello. I'm going to be desperately pleasant to you. <laughs> I love the way you say that in a kind of really sinister, threatening way. I'm going to be really pleasant to you. See how you like that. Yeah, let's see how long that lasts. Uh, joining us, naturally, is our very own Roy, the voice of reason and balance, the beacon of hope and keeper of TV wisdom. It is the sage-like guru that is Boyd Aloysius Hilton. Hello. I'll take that. Yeah, I, I'm a big fan of, of Roy in the yeah. IT crowd. So, yeah, yeah, that's fine by me. Probably by the great Chris O'Dowd. Am I Moss? Is that who yeah, I am? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Really? I mean, um, I have seen this because we like did it for Moss, Funny or Dire. Yeah, you're like Moss, mm. but more of a bellend because Moss is a very likeable <laughs> character. So I'm Moss without yeah. the likability. Yeah, Moss minus the charm. Right. Yeah. Great. You say Terry was very busy last night not doing the Empire podcast. She went to my brother's leaving to. Oh, very, that was your work yeah. commitment, was that it? Was, Good to know. That really wasn't important. my work commitment. <laughs> I had work commitments in my working hours. Mm-hmm. Outside of my working hours, um, I did, in fact, go to oh. a social event with Boyd. Wow. Well, we had lots of fun up in Liverpool, although Chris did book us on a four and a half hour hell train from Euston to Liverpool. It stopped at every single hen house, outhouse, dog house and whatever house between here and the north. It was it was quite Who upsetting. cares? This is the pilot podcast. Yeah, you're crack right. on. You're right. All right, fine. So let's move straight into what we're watching, which I'm going to kick off Ooh. with a bone I have to pick with both of you. Oh, here we go. So... Last week, I finally caught up with Carnival Row, which you two reviewed when I was off and gave short shrift to, and it is 
fabulous. I loved every Is single fairy-packed minute of it. I liked Orlando Bloom as the Cockney Copper, and I even liked uh, I even liked Cara Delevingne as the little Irish fairy. Uh, I thought it was brilliant. I was absolutely gutted when it finished. Did gutted. you like it in spite of those two elements? I loved because it because of James, those things. Because can I just say that if you were listening to that pod, which you missed, because if we're talking about skiving off, you were fucking about a theme park. Um, you, we actually said if James were yes. here, James yeah. would be all over this. Mm, this is yeah. literally your pawn. Oh, so it. I don't think anyone was mm. under any illusions that we were speaking on behalf of all of us. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. so good. I'm so pleased it's getting a second Which season. Bit? All of it. Every single minute of it. I, I enjoyed it at the beginning. I enjoyed it in the middle and I loved it at the end. And really, my favourite episode was Does it episode... get better? Because the first episode... How can you improve on perfection, Boyd? <laughs> uh, my favourite episode was... Admit, the first episode was a bit of a weird slow burn and... No, I really no? liked it. I loved the okay. world. I loved the world of the Berg. I like the, you know, the, the layers of face society as refugees within this city. And I, my favourite episode is episode three, which takes place entirely in flashback. And it shows you how uh, Philo and Vignette meet in Tiernanog and how they kind of get together. And it's really, it almost feels like a different show. It's got a really different texture to it. Mm-hmm. And actually, I'm, I almost want to see more of that oh, as well. So like a spin-off uh, show would be even better. You asked you ask the question, see Ignore what that happens. Last question. I'm all about the Carnivoro. And so, uh, yeah, it was great and I loved it and it was great and I loved it. Carnivoro. Watch it, people. Available now on mm-hmm. the telly. Amazon. Mm-hmm. Amazon. On the Amazon. What have you been watching that isn't as good as Carnivoro? Well, so I spent the last week and a bit in Los Angeles and so I missed all of my programmes because I think as I talked about on a recent podcast I now have my regular nightly programmes that I have to actually be at home to see and so I got massively anxious because I couldn't watch any of them so when I got back on Monday I've spent all week catching up on The Capture which had two episodes which is turning out to be the most deranged (laughs) brilliant I mean it's it starts off as you're like oh yeah you know it's this you know CCTV or did he do it did he not do it oh no 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 it's far more mental than that have you finished it yet no uh, no 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 because I'm I'm watching it in real time with the real people so you've seen five then? So I've seen five. Five, five being the most mental episode. I mean, kind of, but yeah. four and three were also pretty <laughs> deranged. Um, Great British Bake Off, um, which I know you enjoy, James. Um, the Confession, which I watched two episodes of last night, which is the Martin Freeman yep. thing that I was fairly critical of and yep. have like become obsessed with ever since. Um, and also Dragon's Den. And between all of those programmes, I have been home every night on the sofa, gleefully watching living them. Living the dream. Living Rock and roll. the dream. Mm. And Confession. Boyd, have you continued watching yes. it? Yes. So I was going to say, A Confession is the big reverse ferret show. What's a reverse ferret? Reverse ferret is, I think it's private eyes phrase for when someone says something <laughs> and they completely does a, one, a 180 and changes their mind. A reverse a ferret. A reverse ferret, yeah. And you, I think the ch- private eye, in, in politics, it's like you pretend it never happened. You pretend you never took a position anyway and you, you completely do a 180 and turn to your new position. Like it, when um, when uh, Boris Johnson does go back and request an extension <laughs> to, <laughs> the, to the... Uh, That's a reverse ferret. To the, yeah, to the withdrawal mm. agreement. That will be a reverse ferret. So yeah, we were fairly... I mean, I was you more enthusiastic. You yeah. were warm. Giving me I a break. Warm. I was warm. Yeah. I'm giving myself a break. I was warm, but I think it really... Get in, when it gets into the meat of the story, yeah. two, three, four episodes, yeah, it's absolutely... Imelda Staunton, Staunton is, is the star. There yeah. is a couple of moments where I just went, I 
acting <laughs> at the screen because her performance was yeah. so brilliant. I mean, let's be fair, she acts everybody else off the screen. I still don't believe it's Martin Freeman's <laughs> best work, but... Um, him and his wife my current bugbear on episode whatever I'm on yeah. the penultimate episode is yeah. that he and his wife act like they've never met before <laughs> so it's kind of amazing because you constantly forget that they're meant to be married they're like strangers and yeah. um, sometimes she just creeps into shot and you're like oh yeah yeah you're like his wife um, but Imelda Staunton is remarkable and you're right the story is kind of once it gets really stuck into the meat of it yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. great. Yeah. All of these things are like literally kryptonite to James. Yeah, oh, sorry, I, know, I stopped yeah. listening a while back. Yeah, you, did, yeah. you did, typically, yeah. It's not, there are no fairies in uh, A Confession, <sighs> that's for sure. Oh, it's not Carnival Row, is it? It's no kind of well, Drama. 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 There's no, there's no, in fact, I was about to say something, and I can't, because it's a spoiler for a latter episode of Carnival Row, and I wouldn't want to ruin it, Terry, well. for when you do your reverse ferrets on Carnival Row <laughs> yeah. and embrace the fairy. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm picking even more of a, of a, uh, a kind of thing that James won't like. It's a true crime documentary <laughs> so that yes. is on. So the new Sky Crime Channel launched this week, Joy, which is an entire channel devoted to true crime. And I think it's fair to say that there are existing true crime channels already, but I think this is positioning itself as a bit like the classy end of true crime. So the big showcase documentary that, that's shown on Sunday um, and it will be on Catch Up on Now TV or Sky if you've got those services is called I Love You Now Die mm. and it's a two-part HBO documentary. Not like Diane, like no, Die. I, no, I Love You Now Die. And it's a really disturbing but endlessly intriguing story of how one teenage girl had this kind of mostly online relationship with a boy and she relentlessly discussed um, taking him, taking his own life by text message and um, effectively, seemingly coerced him into taking his own life. And it looks at all sides of this incredible story, this really disturbing but fascinating story, and has access to everyone involved, mm. families of both people, and um, you get to see the whole thing playing out in court. It is you are going to be fascinated. She's currently it. in prison, right? So I followed this case in the news right. um, and it all hung, it all hinged on these texts which yeah. were, they said, you know, she wasn't responsible and then they uncovered these texts where during his, what ended up being a successful suicide attempt, um, he was kind of changing his mind and she was like, yep. no, no, you have to do it, you yeah. have to do it, yeah. you have to do yeah. it and they found these messages exactly, and yeah. it was proven that she was, I can't remember what the yeah, crime so it's a big was. Legal, yeah, this is, so yeah. there's one law that, um, it, 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 I'm, it's, you could say it's like coercing behaviour intended to contribute to someone to a death, but effectively. And there was a big legal to and yes. fro and um, kind of, you know, about can she, can she really be held responsible? But more, I think more importantly almost than that is, in the first part is very much, you're looking at, you're going, well, you know, she is horrendous. She has absolutely contributed to this guy taking his own life. He did it in a car. Yes, um, did, that's yeah. why she's telling him, get back in the car. Get back in the car. On the tech, absolutely horrific. But then in this, towards the end of the first episode and then in the second episode, you see her story and what she's suffered and what, and, and what the kind of disturbing elements of her um personality and possible one might say mental illness that she's mm. gone through etc and it's just really fant extraordinarily fascinating so what's this channel called sky crime just called sky, sky crime. crime yeah i am genuinely going to watch this just for you i mean honestly how Pretty do i much. not know about this know. it could be called sky terry yeah so you'll find it on your on your on sky now tv so yeah that's and i also wanted to mention um 
uh, that Succession, which I mention every week, which is the greatest program on TV right now, had um, a rap moment in the last episode that was one of the greatest things on TV this year. If, you, if fans will know what I mean. Um, when Kendall Roy, the character of Kendall Roy, who is the kind of druggy, um, but most obvious guy to inherit the millions, the, the media empire of the main character, the least, Logan. And this is not saying much, the least Bellendi character. <laughs> No, really. I don't, I don't I know. I'd, I'd argue be. with that. But anyway, one of the Bellendi characters, and there's a big celebration of his dad's um, life in Dundee in Scotland, where they're from. There thousands of people, and he does a rap tribute to his dad, and it's one of the most, the most excruciating thing ever seen in scripted television, and it is genius. A thing happened last week, Terry. So Beth was on In Your Stead, and she mentioned, because she does the Bechdel Test Fest. Yes. She was talking about the Bechdel Test, and this spawned conversation of succession, and I have put forward a theory, which is my new benchmark for TV shows, which is the Bellend Test. And this is these are rules. So two named, so named non-Bellend characters <laughs> have to have a conversation with each other about another character uh. who is themselves not a bell end and succession spectacularly fails the bell end test. Yeah, I mean, probably most shows yeah, fail the bell end test. <laughs> of course like, they do. Yeah, it's yeah. a test that only you. I mean, most conversations with you that. fail the bell end <laughs> test. Exactly. I kind of walked into that, didn't I? <laughs> yeah. All right. Fair enough. Anything else, or should we hop, skip, and jump straight into news? Let's do it. News. News indeed. So, here's the thing. Deborah Chow will be directing Obi-Wan Kenobi <laughs> on uh, on Disney+, Plus, the Obi-Wan series. So, Deborah Chow, who uh, has worked on Better Call Saul, Mr. Robot, American Gods, and the High Cast, Jessica Jones, and <coughs> Iron Fist. But we don't talk about that. Uh, oh. But most recently, she's been working on uh, Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. So, she is now segueing from Mandalorian to Obi-Wan. Which is uh, which is which is good stuff. Apparently, she's done a very good job on uh, on John Favreau's show, Mandalorian. So yeah, bit bit of Star Wars fun. I could not be more excited about Disney Plus. But, but also female filmmakers, right? In yeah. in Star Wars. Yeah. So yeah. Um, the news recently about Kevin Feige potentially, hypothetically, maybe making, making a Star, a Star Wars, Wars film. film. Mm. And there were quite a few people online saying, "Let's hope he, you know, maybe hires a female director because obviously." Kathy Kennedy is um, the president of Lucasfilm and a producer on all these things and she is incredibly powerful and has worked on these films and in this universe forever. But in terms of hands-on filmmaking, it's been yeah. female light. Um, so I think this is really, really exciting. I asked her this very question, actually, Kathy Kennedy. And what did she say, she James said, Dyer? She said, absolutely, they are looking to uh, introduce a lot more female film- filmmaking talent into the Star Wars universe. And uh, she said she said at the time to keep an eye on upcoming announcements on Disney+. Plus. So there'll be lots of stuff happening now, in this area. I've got, I was going to say something about Disney+, Plus, which is that, you know, we were conjecturing about yes. the fact when it's going to launch mm. and the wait, the long wait that there yes. is going to be for its content, because it is not launching in this territory for a while, mm, let's just say a no. while. Spring. Spring, right. And you were conject- you were saying that maybe they will give, if, or yeah. you know, at least let other channels um, show shows like The Mandalorian in advance, yes. like Sky maybe. I'm telling you, that is not going to happen. I, I, so I spoke to a yeah. high-level TV executive this week, and, and we were saying, no, that's not going to happen. So I think it's, it, I mean, it is intriguing that we have to wait. But well, I mean, the world will have to wait well, this is quite a long time it? for that like, content. I think they're obviously going to have to be aware of what they're doing with this, which is that anyone who wants to watch it will find ways of watching it. Like they, It's not like all the Star Wars fans are suddenly going to wait for this stuff. And it's always a risk in the world that we now live in that if you don't go for day and date, you do 
do encourage piracy. Like, but... but I think there's a difference between day and date when you have everything set up and it's just a case of dropping the show. Yes. But I think this is obviously such a bigger thing. Oh, and yeah, I think completely. I, un- I totally understand Launching the, the a channel and, and rolling that out globally. And mm. I think you will end up at day and date quite quickly. Mm. But obviously this, what, is it going to be four months, five months kind of roughly? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. There'll be a gap between um, uh, the US and I think it's already being trialled for free in somewhere in Europe. Yes, um, isn't it? Is, is it a Nordic country? I want yeah. To say? yeah. So they've already right. kind of got it, yeah. um, which is a trial over there. So, um, But I think it's kind of unprecedented in that sense of it being such a major new launch, kind of in many respects for so many people, especially, you know, I'd say people like us, people like Empire Readers, um, mm. This is a bigger deal than Apple TV, yeah. I think, mm. for many reasons. And I think when you look at this, this is the biggest disruptive, exciting thing to happen in telly in so many years. Um, so I think that lag is going to be really frustrating for people. But mm. um, it'll, is, be, it'll, be, it'll be worth the wait, you've got to hope. And I think oh, we'll I then end up with kind of quite a a brilliant cycle of content which is coming rapidly and mm. w- looking at how that intersects with all the um, big screen releases I think we're then in a really rich exciting world but that's going to be a tough yeah. toe tapping few months yeah because Apple has got the advantages their launch their, their service is completely new with just new content yeah. Yeah. so they have no licensing deals there's no licensing deals whereas mm. Disney does have half its stuff is out there already on other services yeah. and channels and that is a con- that's the complication for mm. them I mean I think it's a fascinating time it is as you say boy a fascinating, fascinating time, time. Uh, but going back to the female filmmakers <laughs> oh, yeah. discussion did you see yeah. the Ava DuVernay news so she is going to be directing DMZ for HBO uh, which is based on the, the graphic novel series uh, which I've never read but I hear is excellent what is it? DMZ it's it's sort of a near future thing where the American Civil War left like Manhattan's this demilitarised zone which is where the title comes from and it's kind of cut off from the rest of the world and there's a medic I believe a female medic who's looking for her son in the DMZ and there's gangs and warlords and crises and she's trying to save people so uh, but it's apparently very good very very good comedy series boys looking at me blankly like I don't know what you're talking about I'm never going to read it let's move on yeah, I mean, I read Ava DuVernay's directing a, a new thing. I'm more excited about her than the thing. Yeah. Well, it's like, Ava DuVernay is directing something I don't care about. <laughs> yeah, kind of. But I will give it full attention. Good for you, boys. When the time comes. Good and for you. And her, um, her production company, Array, is it Array? Yeah. Um, which she actually founded back in 2010, but seems to be um, getting loads and loads of attention at the moment, which is a kind of a grassroots distribution, um, arts and advocacy um collective I think they call it which is pretty much focused on films by people of colour and women and I think I wouldn't be wrong in saying the only place like that um, currently I think she's just doing such incredible things and giving opportunities to people at such a exciting time in her own career but you know also working within the system but also I think she's quite clear about wanting to disrupt it at the same time um, which I think is so admirable um, and so brilliant and that's kind of what um, when they see us came out of it's what Queen Sugar came out of Um, so I can't wait to see what she continues to do Um, and I think she can pretty much do what she wants at the moment Quite rightly, yes. Um, did we see the exciting casting announcement for Russell T. Davis's new um, series, which is going to be on Channel 4, called Boys? Working title. He may change it because there's The Boys. Yeah. So I've had this conversation with it. He's, he's aware of The Boys on Amazon. So he, he, no, it's just called Boys, but I think he might change it if he comes up with something else. But the exciting thing is the lead is played by Ollie Alexander, James. 
out of years and years. Oh, yeah. Yes. I'm sure you're a big fan. Popular well, music. He was also in, a, I knew him first as an actor because he was in Glue, which is I've Banshee'd before. Do you remember? Yeah. I've Banshee'd. Oh, yeah. I do remember. The E4 um, drama, which was really good, under underappreciated, underviewed, but he was really good in that. And that's the first time I saw him, I think before even the years and years was a thing, although I may be wrong because I'm no expert. He's the lead anyway, which I think is really exciting. It's going to be Keely Hawes is in it, Stephen Fry's in it, Neil Patrick Harris is in it. Yes. Really intriguingly. Sean Dooley, Tracy Ann Oberman. And then the other, the main, there's three main characters, a bit like Queer as Folk. So it focuses on um, three young gay guys arriving in London in the aces and it will then deal with HIV and AIDS as the big kind of, he's wanting to make this show for, mm. for literally about 10, 15 years, Russell T. Davis. So Ollie Alexander is the main guy and the other two are new Comers are Murray Douglas and Callum Scott Howells. And I think it's brilliant. A, it's classic Russell T. Davis is going to, you know, one very recognizable um, star, Ollie Alexander, I think is almost iconic for young people now in terms of someone. He's, he's a very out there gay guy. He did a brilliant speech at Glastonbury, um, you know, before when he performed with Years and Years. He's a proper like, activist and, mm. and, you know, a brilliant talent. And then to bring in two complete newcomers to play his mates, who are the, the central trio of the whole thing, I think is brilliant. Russell T. Davis casting, and I'm very excited about the whole thing. I heard some bad news last night. So, Dolly Wells was on our live Liverpool podcast, and she is in Mark Gatiss's Dracula. And she said the Clash Bang is actually Clay Spang. His name is not Clash Bang. This so, is weird that you mention this because I've just interviewed Mark Gatiss and Stephen Moffat. And they called him Clash Bang. No, they said Clay as well. Yeah. yeah. But, so yeah, they've ruined fine. it as well. Well, I don't think they've ruined no, it. No, he had the best name in the world, <laughs> and now he's it? just Clay Spang. <laughs> yeah. I think, also, you was there explain... a segue? <laughs> no. no. No, I was like, I yeah. could see him nodding while you were talking yeah. about that incredibly important and <laughs> yeah. significant yeah. TV show looking yeah. at a part of British gay history that yeah. has, you know, arguably never been represented on screen. And I could see James with a vacant look in yeah. his eyes, nodding, yeah. trying to work out a segue to the thing <laughs> he really wanted to talk about. <laughs> so are you belittling my news that Clash Bang is not a thing? I was thinking there must be a link. I think Dolly Wells is in yeah, is this show like... is in boys or no there was no, no leak was no there? I got nothing a class bang thing yes yeah. um, yes uh, both Moffat and Gators called him Clash as well yes Clash Clash bang well done <laughs> <laughs> okay well I'm glad we cleared that up um, <laughs> you know it's still a secret who Mark Gators is playing in in Dracula and if you know if she told you then you shouldn't say because he wouldn't tell me then I won't say anything fine <laughs> I shall say nothing well did she say did something she on you? stage in front of loads of did people she, yeah I could not possibly say. Oh, she didn't. He's just toying with us. He's playing games. Uh, no, we asked her. We asked. She told us a couple of things that we said we wouldn't put on the broadcast. Oh, right. Fine. But, uh, but that was not one of them. None of, I don't think that any of the things she told us were actually a secret. Fine. Fine. Um, but she, this is the first thing she's been in that she wasn't allowed to talk about. Mm. So she was a bit like, oh, I don't know what to say. And we're like, oh, we're all friends here. It's just you, kind of. me, and half of Liverpool. It's yeah. fine. Yeah. Um, so there was a new poster for the Expanse Series 4. Terry, do you want to tell us a bit about that? Um, yeah. It looked really shit. Excellent. No, I haven't seen it. I'm just kidding. Who cares? Yeah. A poster. Fair enough. I'm going to talk about uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge and this quote she gave on Seth Meyers. So they were talking about, you know, everyone keeps asking her, are you going to make a third season of Fleabag? I don't know how many different ways she can say, no, I'm not going to make a third season of Fleabag because why would I? It's perfect as it is. Um, But she did say something interesting when she said um, she liked the idea of her coming back at like 50 years Mm. old. And she said, I feel like she would have more life than God knows what she could have gotten up to. And actually seeing a character like that in a later stage of life, I think, is exciting. Which I think is really smart because I think if you think about what that character could be doing at 50 and what kind of situation she could be in, how she could have changed, but ultimately how she could have stayed the same as well. And I think there is also a dearth of 50-year-old 
interesting, flawed female character, certainly at the heart of a story, right? Um, I think that could kind of be genius if she still has the will to do it in two decades' time. Was this literally, I'm planning to do this, or was this in conversation, hey, I'd really like an elephant made of light which randomly spouts truths about the universe? You know, was it a really sort of bizarre sort of, she was just spitballing? Well, it was during an interview. Well, I mean, it feels weird to explain this to a fellow journalist, but she was being interviewed and they asked her about, is it definitely not going to come back? And she said, no, it's not. But actually, there may be an interesting story to tell when she... she It's all down to intonation. I don't think she was, you know, saying, I've now signed a deal to bring Fleabag back in two decades. I think she was saying if she ever was going to bring her back, that would be an interesting time to do so. I'm sorry, do you want to talk about the fucking poster for The Fucking Expanse? I do, actually. Have you seen... Naomi Nagata's new haircut in it. It's very interesting. <laughs> oh, my God. Anyway, yeah, I, I, I think she's she's going to bring it back in 20 years' time. Um, Stranger Things Season 4, four. was confirmed. Well, we knew that, didn't we? Well, well no, it was officially confirmed. Well, it was officially confirmed week. because there's that, there's that slightly rambling uh, uh, trailer thing. We're not in Hawkins anymore. Hawkins anymore. Yeah. 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 Because they're going out of Hawkins. So yes, you, I got that. Have you noticed what's happening is, um, you and I talk about a new <laughs> yeah, story, yeah. James ignores us, dismisses it, questions yeah. us, interrogates yeah. us, yeah. and then basically like cobs in his yeah. own fairly yeah. weak yeah. new story. Yeah, yeah. I'm Which playing with a new dynamic. You know yeah, like I've noticed. Yeah. A poster for The Expanse, <laughs> as far as James is concerned, is more significant than the actual official announcement of season four of Netflix's most popular show. Yeah. I, I Which no hadn't been confirmed until until this fucking week. <laughs> Okay, okay. And uh, either more of you. importantly, the Duffer Brothers were given an overall deal to produce yes. other content, films, and shit and for Netflix. Sh- a big, much bigger yes. deal, a Stranger Things yes. verse yes. universe, which will, it's got to include a film, right? I mean, Absolutely. like. Yeah, yeah. So that was news, actual proper news. Actual proper news. Yeah. Okay, here's some actual proper news. They released some first looks at the Walking Dead oh. third series, the, 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 the new Spin Walking off. Dead series, which is as yet untitled. Oh, but we saw our first look at it, which was, uh, you know, some people in the apocalypse. Where did you see that? On the, on the interweb. Oh, the internet. Yeah, it was out there. You had your own, like, so this, but this is this is sort of it's, it's got two young female protagonists in it, and this the, the premise of this is they're the first generation to come of age during you know the zombie apocalypse. So that's that's the hook. If anyone listening to this could see Terry's expression at the moment, <laughs> I mean, it's a shame this is a purely auditory medium. <laughs> And we were actually reviewing The Walking Dead later. Yes, we are. Yes, yeah. we are. FYI. We shall have lo- Terry will have lots of things to say mm. about it because I know she enjoyed it. Mm. Oh, my God. Did anyone see the first episode of The Apprentice? Yes, of course. <laughs> this is the pilot <laughs> TV <laughs> podcast. Oh I totally forgot. Oh, oh yeah, my God. I was with you didn't Oh, that. my yeah, God. Incredible. Aren't Absol- they awful? Yeah, absolutely They're horrendous. They're all awful. The, mo- the most horrendous bunch of yeah, right? doofuses. Why have they got everybody who looks the same? That's why I can't work out. Can you remember it used to be like people like Ruth Badger and people look like real people on the street? I'm sorry. Ruth Badger. Ruth Badger. <laughs> I was going to say, Ruth Badger, is that an unknown Game of Thrones character? Class Ruth Badger. But now they've got everybody yeah. looks like they're from um, uh, a weird Channel 5 soap opera. <laughs> and they're all kind of like quite slim and quite pretty. And they sound awful. Like um, in the same kind of weird cheap seats, making the same kind of weird bad jokes. Um, yeah. And, yeah. and uh, 
I'm going to be absolutely obsessively watch this. But let me tell you, it did make me want to stay in the EU even more than I do. Sorry, man, who hates us <laughs> talking about politics. <laughs> because I was like, if this is the best of British, we are absolutely <laughs> fucked and we need Europe more than we ever do. Did you see there was a very funny um, Twitter exchange um, about the first... So someone like, I want to say like a rugby player or... No, someone who used to be in the army of entered into it, started slagging it off, saying this was... saying. Or, saying that these were doofuses, these were absolute idiots, and that, you know, far from it being pretending it's some kind of business thing with actual entrepreneurs who we should take seriously. And the exec producer got offended and annoyed and hit back saying, no, you know, it is a proper show, business show, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, and then he deleted the tweet. I bet he did. Yes, <laughs> because it is a bunch of utter morons. Because it used to be, it used to be, when you watch early seasons, it used to be a really proper test of entrepreneurship and skills. Yeah. And they were normal business people yeah. and now literally you get somebody in and they go oh, what do you do they're like I'm a dentist but I want to you know yeah. start my own business and they all look and they're all a certain amount of of good lookingness right yeah. like they're made for telly yeah, people yeah. um, they say silly things like you know yeah. what, what was it one of them said like I'm a falcon and I'm going to swoop in and eat your baby or something like that yeah. might not have been exactly that um, oh, he calls himself the falcon though the yeah. falcon yeah. he calls himself the falcon I think you should start James calling yourself by the name of a major bird <laughs> what the, the the sparrow wading bird or the yeah. sparrow yeah. what's what's like a slightly shit bird a, sp- a pigeon oh my pigeon. god the pigeon the pigeon the, the wood pigeon, pigeon. you yeah, yeah. Uh, do, do you know i ruined the first season of the apprentice for everyone in the empire office do you know this by uh, telling them who won yes because i ran into I the person who won at a birthday party and then I came in and said, "Oh, I I met the the girl who won The Apprentice last wow. night." And they were and because I had absolutely no clue that this was a spoiler because I don't watch that rubbish, and uh, and everyone was furious with me because it was quite a way before it was all wow. resolved. You so. I, like, hang on, did you or did you not? <laughs> massively enjoy the fact that you'd ruined it for everyone. I had, I had no idea but no idea that it was a spoiler. I believe that but as a consequence did you enjoy it? Oh yeah absolutely. Yes. Yeah yeah. I have absolute contempt for these shows and I, I enjoyed the schadenfreude of ruining it for people who should know better. Who the fuck says schadenfreude like Right and moving on from that to this week's reviews uh, first up this week is BBC Two's Motherland. This is Sharon Horgan's depiction of middle class motherhood and a show that kind of rather does for parenting what Catastrophe did for relationships. Uh, this stars Anna Maxwell-Martin, Diane Morgan and Paul Reedy as a trio of parents dealing with the day-to-day drudgery of parenthood in London uh, and the juggling act of balancing career and child-rearing. Uh, Terry. <laughs> Why would you possibly come to me, James? Not in any way because this show is a clear window into the immediate future of your life. Uh, did this fill you with dread? Did it send you running screaming? So here's the thing. So I am uh, five months pregnant and I watched this. So this morning, I'll tell you what happened today, right? So this morning, I woke up early, um, had a lovely uh, catch up with my boyfriend um, and... The moment he left for work, I felt my baby move properly for the first Mm. time, right? 
So I I was like full of like life is beautiful, life is special, like it's a miracle. It really is a miracle. And then I came to work early and watched this and was like, you slightly ruined my life is a miracle vibe. Yeah. Um, so it does exactly as you said. It it does what catastrophe did for marriage, which it has this complete edge about what it is to be a mother and specifically to be a middle class mother. Um, and it's all about you know the competitiveness at the school gates, the kind of toxic relationship between mothers, the competitiveness, the cliques, the tribes. Um, there's a brilliant line where there's a a uh, overachieving mum, uh, should we say, in this episode, and uh, Anna Maxwell Martin, who is beautifully cast in this says where's your secret sadness and that's kind yes. of at the heart yeah. of all this that line I wrote that down as where's well. your secret sadness was so beautifully brilliantly done she I have to say she's remarkable but so is Diane Morgan who plays Liz she's the kind of droll cynical like um, grounded single mother the performances are incredible but I think what really makes this sing is the writing mm. um, obviously it was created with by Sharon Horgan and Graeme Linehan and I know there's a four-person writing room. I was reading a really interesting interview with Holly Walsh who's one of the writers Mm. who talked about their process which sounds incredibly intensive. They go through, they write in pairs then they go through rounds and then they swap scripts and then they punch it up and punch it up. The amount of work you can tell that has gone into each line in what is a 30-minute episode Mm. I think is remarkable and I think that's what really gives this show its power is every word is deliberate and brilliant and but also delivered in the most casual kind of breezy manner um there's in, but there's really great stuff it's funny as fuck like let me just get that straight but there's also really interesting stuff at the heart of it about motherhood and feminism you know this is where she says i thought we decided as feminists that it's anti-feminist to have it all and the notion of because you there's unpicking having it all but then there's unpicking not having it all hmm. and can you and actually is it not feminist to support women who do have it all it's like it's such a web of like difficulty and um conflict for women it's it's such a huge subject but it gets right into the detail of it with such kind of originality and nuance and humor and warmth and wit um and what i thought was most interesting was this like barely any kids in this thing so you go mm. motherland and you're like waiting for like there's a cute moment with a baby or a toddler or something but what i love about it most is that it centers the mothers or somebody doing the mother role. It's not about kids, actually. Um, And it's actually quite revolutionary in that sense because not everything is seen through the prism of their kids. It's seen through just them, which I don't... I was trying to think of another show that does that Mm. and isn't about... Because normally to see a mother, you have to see her mothering, right? You Mm. see her... Even fucking it up, you have to see her like doing something bad. There's none of that. It's all about them. It's about the... It's the tribalism and the factionism between parents and kind of how people juggle those roles. So it feels me like it's adults dealing with adult life obviously the, the the children are the catalyst to this but they're as you say not the stars of this i wrote in a number of things for this where's your secret sadness i wrote yeah. down i thought that was brilliant my other thing there's a line in this alexa play some happy hardcore <laughs> and i swear to god i laugh out loud very loudly on the train yeah. in that uh, and the idea that someone she's, like, she's only got she's got red bull and yop in her fridge <laughs> i'm just like it's just such a brilliant bit of writing just the thought process that led to that i i enjoyed this a lot 
lot. So this is this is series two of the yes. show. I didn't watch any of series one. Boy, did you watch? Of course, you watch, of course you of course. did. You watched everything. Yes. Uh, were you a fan was, from the beginning? A, a huge fan, a massive fan of Motherland. But I have to say, this is a step up because series one was brilliant. And, and, and the you're right, the unique and clever thing about it, the very first episode was um, Anna Maxwell Martin having to take her kids to school kind of for the first time because her mum usually did it. Mm. So that was the open, that was the kind of pilot. And then, and you saw the kids a little bit in that episode, but from then on, the kids were brilliantly cut. And I remember Sean Organ saying at one point, we're not having fucking kids in this. <laughs> and, like, and, and making an absolute point of it. And that is one of their big things is that, and they almost in the frame, the kids are literally at the bottom yeah. of the frame, Sometimes scuttling they're cut around. Out completely. Yeah. You literally like see, you can almost sense them scuttling around at the yeah. school gate scenes, for example. Yeah. But they brilliantly avoid them. Yeah. showing them doing anything yeah. of any, and it is so clever. So I love that about it. It is. It does revolt. It does. It's got that thing where, and the line about the now we're feminist line yeah. is, is so key because it is about how. All these people are aware of how they should behave and, and the right way to do things and to not be resentful of each other. Yeah. And yet the resentment is all, what it's all about. Mm. So you've got the alpha mom, brilliantly played by Lucy Punch, yeah. who in episode two opens her own artisanal shop <laughs> of objects that no one wants. And that is a brilliant thing. And she's phenomenal. And then in this episode, the new character played by Tanya Moody, Meg, the, who, who moves up next door, opposite, in fact, um, Anna Maxwell Martin, who's got five kids, a hot husband, played by yeah. uh, Giles, Anthony yeah. Stewart. Yeah. and she can like seemingly and is an incredibly successful yeah. entrepreneurial businesswoman is so brilliantly observed that yeah. the, the resentment that Maximus has for her particularly all it, the observations are just relentless as you yeah. say they're so brilliant and that writing with things so it has now got these four writers Helen Linehan who created it with Graham yeah. Sharon Horgan Barranco Shaughnessy and Holly Walsh and as you say, they kind of they, they, they ratchet it up, but they just sit there plowing through their own experiences yeah. and the experiences their friends have told them of being parenthood, which you're going to have. I feel you could be in this show. I think you are. <laughs> I think you're potentially Diane Dia Morgan's character. I was going to say, who am I? She's a single... Why am I the yeah, single mother I'm already? Not saying, I'm not, I'm not, <laughs> you won't be wow. single. You won't be single. I'm not saying that, but just her... You've got her wry, shall we say, look at the, the world. You're going to be sitting at the small table with your mates. By the toilet. Slagging off. Yeah. Slagging yeah. off the alpha mums. Well, That's definitely I, what you're going to do. I also doing. thought of Terry, but Manny, when I heard the line, I saw a woman fall off a bus and then try to order cocaine from Deliveroo. <laughs> Although, in Terry's case, it probably would have been a Big Mac from Deliveroo. Yeah. But, but yeah. What, do you know what's really smart about Because there are so many things about motherhood these days, and the big thing has always been the challenge to the conceit of having it all right. Yeah. And the modern thing is to say, not only can I not have it all, I find mothering quite shit and quite difficult, and I find the whole processing. What this has identified really cleverly, and I don't know if any part of popular culture is getting into that now, is it's actually moved one step beyond that now where actually you can't say it's not shit do you yeah, know what yeah. I mean so yeah. so yeah. I yeah. so I felt this the other day I've had a really lovely pregnancy so far I've loved every minute of being pregnant and that may change touch wood but I've just found it to be such a joy and I've been really nervous about talking about that publicly because people everyone think you're a twat every, everyone's mm. like no you can't be a smug kind of mm. happy mum anymore because that was decades ago mm. now you're meant to kind of be the well it's a bit shit and it's and, yeah. it's, and that observation of that shift of the actual thing on the zeitgeist with motherhood right now is people being nervous about saying how great it is almost yeah. because actually we'd all got to the point of saying actually it's a bit shit and we can't have it all and where that came from and then you know there's a Nicola Horlicks reference which is genius because obviously that was the 80s thing it's really tapped into what is happening oh. right now at this moment um, which makes it feel super modern but also just part of discourse that you just don't really see happening anywhere else at all. 
Yeah, it's just so brilliant, and I think this this series feels even better. Partly because I think the it's the way it's directed is more in your face. Is there's almost a slightly more um, documentary feel to it, like, mm. uh, and and that is that is slightly different to the first episode, which was kind of directed like a normal kind of narrative comedy, really. So the whole thing they've stepped it up. It's phenomenal. And it's all going to be, it's all available, it's all six episodes, and I've got up to episode four, which is the best episode so far in the whole two series. Wow. Uh, that is Motherland, and this airs on BBC Two on Monday, October the 7th at 10pm. Next up is season two of The Terror, dubbed The Terror Infamy. Uh, the show, which last time looked at a lost expedition to the Arctic, now shifts focus to Japanese internment in America during World War II. But, being The Terror... There's more to it than that. In fact, this involves a, the Japanese myth of a bakemono, or obake, I believe it's called, uh, which are shape-shifting specters that menace people for their own amusement. Uh, and this involves one such spirit that stalks a Japanese-American family, following them from their little California community to the military camp that they're ultimately shipped off to. This, uh, that they're ultimately shipped off to. This aired earlier this year in the US, but now finds its way to our shores as well. Boyd. Did this do for you? Um, yeah, it didn't know that. So it's still going on, I believe. It's still on. Yeah, it's still in the middle of its still running. Yeah, still running. It's ten episode run. Um, and I, I, I was pleasantly surprised actually. I mean, I, I, I quite liked the first series. Um, mm. You know, this, this is an anthology, so it's going to be a completely different story yes. every time. Um, I think. Um, the first two had high production values and had, when I got off to a really good start and then I didn't think it sustained the horror and the um, tension and the storytelling across ten episodes which yeah. is a really fucking hard thing to do um, but this felt like a really interesting and genuinely um, kind of kind of important um, storyline they're telling this time because it is rare that you see the Japanese American story told absolutely um, and everyone involved from, on that element of the storyline either has relatives who were interned in camps during mm. uh, that particular time who worked on this show i mean um and so it is kind of infused with that story and yeah. i think that's really interesting and american internment is of course quite topical so. it is exactly it is very topical and that and they don't shy away from those i mean it's not sledgehammer driven home but they yeah. definitely are those parallels mm. of and, and the scene at the end of the first episode where suddenly they are public enemy number one and they are removed yeah. is, is really well done i thought was really, mm. and how harshly they're treated and just the the sudden conversion into they're all terrorists and we've got to kind of round them all up go on do you think so this is i i wonder whether this will take people quite a bit by surprise because yeah. when you look at kind of the broad strokes of what it is it's about Japanese internment it's World War II you think it's one thing and then it starts with two scenes one following the other and they get the first scene is unbelievably gruesome and unpleasant yeah. Mm. Yeah. and then the second scene is even more gruesome and unpleasant yeah. Yeah. and they're both slightly it's, supernatural as well uh, are, of course it's super, it is supernatural because it's yes. supernatural yes mm. so it is a slight I've seen some reviews of this saying that these two elements together are slightly uh, it's slightly unfortunate mm. that they're so they're bringing supernatural horror kind of the ring style yeah. if you like yeah. 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 that which that first scene could come from mm. and then joining it together with a quite a, a quite a kind of interesting social historical yes. <laughs> drama yes. which is the internment element and do these things really work? And does the one need the other? Now, I would be happy mm. to watch a drama about mm. the internment of Japanese people in without, America. Without any of the spirits. But having said that, I think the supernatural events are quite scary. Yeah, they so are chilling. So very I'm, chilling. Very chilling. Mm. So I'm kind of fine with it. And I think it's an interesting way. I think, you know, this will get a lot of horror fans watching it. And they may well learn a lot. I learned a lot, I felt, from mm. the first episode. Same here. Because it's so not it, pop history I know a lot about. I think it's a pretty effective device, actually. I just wasn't sure, because I, I agree with you. Both of the things worked in isolation. I was more attracted to the human drama story. Mm. As I always am, and I'm sure James was more attracted to the supernatural. I, I do love a vengeful spirit. But 
there, there was some, there was a weird, from a storytelling perspective, there was a slight disconnect when you moved between the two because there's the supernatural and horror elements, which are shocking, and there's some real body shock stuff in yes. there. There's freaking neck yeah. and limbs, and that's quite a bit that, with a loose thread. That oh, oh my, my god, god. <laughs> it's, it's so that take that is so shocking. And then when you move into this human drama, which is brutal in a very different way. I mean, it's totally really somber in places. And, and I wasn't quite mm. sure if that worked entirely successfully. As I say, both things worked in isolation. But when you try to bring them together, because also the, the supernatural and horror moments are quite rare in that first yes, episode. Yes, they are. So you'd, I almost forgot about it. And mm, I'd be yeah. really sure. And I'd be like, hang on, what's like, happening? Oh. Yeah. And they come back and it takes you by yeah. surprise because yeah. you've lapsed back into a kind of world on fire type yes. historical World War II thing. And then, oh, spirits. Yes. So that's so that's the thing that I'm. I don't know if it lessened my enjoyment of it. I think I'm not sure how successful it was, but they are kind of. It's an incredible drama. The production design is phenomenal. Yeah. Um, it's beautifully shot. Like it you is, can't yeah. you can't argue with any of it from a craft perspective. And then the the horror stuff is actually done really well. Like it, yeah. it's executed. It's properly scary. It's just one takes you out of the other quite dramatically. And I don't know if that's something that will kind of lessen as the season goes on yeah i mean i think it i think it is an issue with i think i think there is slightly one rubs against the other one those two elements yeah and i'm not sure if it, if it will ever resolve that but i think you kind of like i think i'm happy but to go that's along with unusual it. yeah. and it's, it's unusual. interesting it's and i like it yeah. you know it's it's weird yeah, exactly and also sometimes if you're gonna if, if you're gonna try and sort of spoon food me a historical uh, epic i want uh, i want a little drop of supernatural in there to help oh the medicine go down so <laughs> this works for me i'd like all things to have a dash of fairies and fate to it and i'd be much happier oh jeez oh, it's, it's also lovely to have george takai yes it. absolutely yeah. out of mm. star trek very very good i can't believe you ever mentioned that yet. i didn't no, no i thought i'd leave you that oh, well he's not in the expanse so what are you gonna Um, Yes, that is the Terra Infamy, and that also drops on Monday, October 7th, but at 9pm, and that is on AMC UK. Uh, Also out this week is the 10th, yes, 10th series of The Walking Dead, a show that, appropriately enough, shows no sign of dying, despite having taken a tumble in ratings in recent seasons. This one now in a post Andrew Lincoln World, we pick up once more with our groups of survivors as they battle their bloated corpses, internal strife, and Samantha Morton's weirdo zombie mask sporting whisperers. This show, I think it's fair to say, went off the boil for me some years ago, but I have actually stuck with it for a full decade now, and as of last year, I do think it's been granted a new lease of life. Uh, I'm, I'm properly into it again. Terry, do you agree, or would you just put a bullet in its head? <laughs> um... So, three words from me. Oh, God. What is happening? <laughs> what is happening? I was. Okay, so here's the thing. Yes. Never Allow me wa- to dead explain to you. Never watched The Walking Dead. Right, that probably Couldn't didn't help. Couldn't care less, right? So, so obviously, coming in at the 10th season was always <laughs> going to be a challenge. But I like zombies. I like fighting. I like stabbing. I like strong women. So, I was like, you know, what is happening? Like, I was really... Do you know what? I was mainly confused. Obviously, I had no idea what was going on story-wise. Like, some whisperers or something. I enjoyed the violence. There was an early bit of violence by a little girl, which I was very into. Um, Denai um, Garai is in this, who obviously is incredible. Um, I loved her in Black Panther. I know she's not sticking around. No, this this. is her last season. Um, Mm. She's incredible. Now, talk to me about the undead people. Zombies, yes. Is it meant to be funny? 
Are they meant to be, like, scary? No, so so the thing with The Walking Dead is it is a show about people set against, set against a backdrop of zombies. The zombies aren't really ever the main focus of the show. They just exist in the background. So in this, the antagonists are the Whisperers, but they exist in a world where these zombies are going on. So the way they approach zombies at this point in the show is it's day-to-day. It's not taking the rubbish out. You clear out the dead. Do you know what I mean? It's it's very But is it meant methodical. to be? Because they're very... So I was watching it, and somebody from the Empire team was watching it over my shoulder, and we were laughing quite a lot because <laughs> it's so... Ha- the, the, the zombies are so hammy mm. and pulpy mm. and I was like are they meant to, is this meant to be are they meant to be a bit shit is that the well, point? Well to an extent now and, and I think they've talked about this in the past that being as this is like quite a few years after the apocalypse happens the corpses are in a greater state of disarray like a lot of the ones you see at the beginning here because they're by the sea are all bloated and distended because mm-hmm. they've been in the water um, so yes they do deliberately look a bit stupid and like uh, like in, like Emil from uh, Robocop um, but uh, <laughs> you know there, there's a bit of that going on but no I really enjoyed this if, you, if you're not really up to date with it you're just like what is happening yes that uh, is and correct. I get that so, so this follows on from weirdly enough, season nine, where a big thing happened at the end where they culled a shit ton of major characters. Including uh, Andrew Lincoln. Uh, no, well, no, or he, 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 he went earlier, and though he's not technically dead, spoiler, he went earlier and will be appearing in these films, and then there was a six-year time jump. So everything moved on, and now we're sort of so far away from when the apocalypse happened that these communities have set up, and this is now no longer a post-apocalyptic show, really. This is a the beginning of a new sort of dawn kind of show. So societies are reforming, and it's a different world, which is what makes it more interesting. It's why it makes it feel fresh again. So this follows on from the death of all these major characters and Samantha Morton, who's alpha, and they're this weird... I mean, they're weirdos. And they wear zombie skins and live among the zombies because, of course, they do. But they, they killed all these people and used them to draw a barrier saying, you cannot enter our territory, which is why they're all so cagey in this one. So this is kind of... The community's been quite, you know, stung by that, and they're still recovering from that, and yet they're all still trying to rebuild. But I, I, I you know, I enjoyed it a lot. I like the fact that the all the communities have come together, which gives you a more disparate sort of cast. And I think that's become more important without Andrew Lincoln. You've needed to bring in new people, and you need... A lot of the supporting characters are now getting meteor roles, which is nice, because some of them are actually really, really good. It, this is Angela Kang running the show now, uh, and I I do think it is better now than it has been in quite some time. I also like, I think Walking Dead has always done quite good season openers. So this one, they have chapter headings, which yes. I quite like. Quite uh, Tantino, I thought. Yes, it was, yeah. where it just, you get like a black screen and then you get a chapter and then it tells a bit of story. And then again, they play with chronology a little bit. So the stories kind of overlap, all building towards an event that happens and then how it sort of kicks off. But more than this, this had lovely Grace character notes. So uh, as well as Michonne, sort of, I would say the two other sort of main, main, main characters are probably Carol and Daryl, who've been there since nearly the beginning. Carol and Daryl. Carol and Daryl. They were the um, ones who had, and they had a nice little chat. Yes, this is what I was about to say. Yeah, best the thing forest. in the episode. Yeah, best thing Where they the have episode. a chat about how they're best friends. She yeah. starts taking the piss out of him. Should we get friendship bracelets? Shall we start braiding each other's hair? And he's like, all right, fuck off then. And it's and just also, so much fun. He says, sometimes I think we're just going from one fucking fight to another, which is a description, of course, of the entire show <laughs> over 10 years. So. No, I mean, I thought that was a bit. No, I thought that was a genuine moment of self awareness yeah. and self referential amusements that yeah. one of the things that people who, who don't like the show or have gone off the show or have you know criticised the show that is, it, is, can, it can be a fairly relentless thing of one fight among zombies and humans and different mm. hordes of humans and different games well, it's normally going. Other. there's a lot of 
it's Quite moving from one on. slightly one sort of group of people led by a bell end to another group yeah. of people led by yeah. a bell end, and there are zombies. Yeah, uh, but I like the infighting. I like the new characters <laughs> that they've introduced. Um, yeah, I'm, I, I, I really enjoyed this. I did, and I, for a long time, watching The Walking Dead for me was a duty, not a pleasure. Like all the Negan stuff bored my absolute tits off. Yeah, even now, like Negan in it, I think now is a really interesting character because he's a, he's become a very different person since you first encountered him you know in his kind of he's been in prison there for like seven years since beheading people with his baseball bat yeah yeah he wasn't the nicest man but he's an interesting one and I kind of know where this all goes because I've read the comics Um, and it still has some (laughs) yes of course I have but it's still got some interesting places to go so it definitely hasn't run out of steam yet and uh, yeah I I think it's good Fear the Walking Dead on the other hand can go and jump off a yeah. Mm, no. But um, um I'm yeah, I'm like I I stopped watching it after I got as far as the Negan um series. Which yeah. season was that? that um, oh god, that would have been I want to say maybe. No, Miami's like seven or because oh, okay. it went on seven, for several seasons, yes. Negan did. So um the season after that, so this is the one that ended with him killing someone mysterious, and then they stuck yes. there. The whole who who is he killed? And, and it was so ultra violent that a lot yeah. of people stopped watching the show. Uh, and it didn't particularly put me off for that reason. I just got slightly bored with it, just because it was fairly repetitive um, mm. at that point. And then, so I haven't watched it since then. So this is, the, and so I was slightly confused. I was like halfway between what the hell is happening and it's a very different show. Being now. roughly aware of what's happening, mm. but I do feel it's got a bit of a new lease of life. I did think this was an effective open. I think the big, the big, huge, big um, USP is Samantha Warren. Character. I when she appeared, yeah. I was like, right. "Okay, now I'm yeah. in." Yeah, I'm, and unfortunately for you, in that she doesn't appear till right at the end of this episode. Spoiler and unfortunately alert. for me, she's not in like a children's home or you know, <laughs> no. walking the streets. She like, is scary, isn't she? She's a, she is she's scary. Properly, I find that character a bit broadly drawn. If I'm honest, of course, with you. It I mean, there's not a lot of stuff. Are you complaining? Yeah. From the little I know of the Walking Dead, you're complaining that it's broadly drawn. <laughs> All right, that's a fair point. Of course, that's it's a broadly drawn. But she is brilliant. She's so charismatic and so commanding. So I'm. So I think she's the key for me. Like she's gonna make this series worth watching, and I I enjoyed it. Right. She's got such natural. Yeah. I mean, I think anytime she appears on screen, she just dominates so everything. She, she has such natural yeah. power. Yeah. Like there's a whole bit where she just stood there, and I was yeah. like, "Holy yeah. shit!" Like, and I think I think give the producers credit. Like I did a thing. I did a. I, I spoke to Gail Ann Hurd years ago at the Edinburgh TV Festival about about the show. She's like the Uber producer mm. of it now, and um, she's really fiercely into diverse casting and representation, yeah. and is very much gender sexuality, all of that, um, um, and race. She covers very very well in a properly authentic kind of feels like all of that is organic rather than she's sitting there putting the pieces which together which is which is something the walking dead came under a lot of criticism for in early seasons that always like whenever there was a black character they would be killed off very quickly right i think they've sorted out yeah. and addressed that issue very well and just casting brilliant brilliant people casting samantha morton is a masterstroke it has to be said and she and, and things yeah. like that they do they do make it still especially and i think now with you have with game of thrones guy i know it's less popular than it was but it's still probably it's probably like the second most popular globally mm. show in the world right now like still because it's a massive massive phenomenon I think it's like half the ratings it had at its peak though Uh, okay it's it's probably still bigger than anything else (laughs) yeah well anyway The Walking Dead returns this is on Fox UK on yep you guessed it Monday October the 7th at also 9pm let's face it you're just not going out on Monday night just just I think you need to accept that out this week also is the fourth and final season of Sam Ismail's Mr. Robot which we'd very much hope to review as well however however they didn't make it available, did they, Boyd? No, they didn't. So it's on Amazon Prime here, showing on also on Monday. Yes, on also Monday. drops on um, Monday, October 7th. Uh, the, the day after it goes out in the States, and, they, and the, unfortunately the American production company didn't send me the link. Yes, so we didn't get to see it. <laughs> However, I'm sure it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> wow. 
Let's be honest. Damning. Let's be honest. Mr. Robot, which started very well, had a phenomenal first season, has got progressively more boring as it's gone on. Season two was okay, it was good, goodish. Season three was dull and I watched to the end of season three and really season four I'm not even sure I'm going to watch so I, at this point certainly and them not sending me it to review doesn't help but I feel a little bit like I'm a bit over Mr. Robot and I think Sam Ismail should you know move on to the Battlestar Galactica show that he's making and that will make us all much happier won't it Terry? Yes. Yes. Uh, also worth pointing out that on Friday 11th October El Camino drops on Netflix. This is of course mm. the Breaking Bad sequel movie, uh, movie starring Aaron Paul as Jesse Pinkman. Oh, I see oh I see this is a movie. This isn't a movie. Sorry, this isn't a streaming event, Terry. Are you movie. sure? Are you sure it's not a streaming event? I've never used the word streaming you've used, event. No, you've used Oh, it's a one-off TV event drama. Yeah, Terry, it's a film. No, no, it's a it's a TV drama event 90-minute feature-length TV thing. There is a difference between a TV <laughs> A TV, a long TV program, and a movie. This is explicitly. This is on the cover of Empire, not on the full cover. This is a cover line on Empire yeah. this month because yeah. it is a movie. We had Game of Thrones on the cover of Empire. Mo- That's not a compelling argument. Movie, movie. <laughs> but it's not coming out in cinemas. It's not. It's not coming out in cinemas. That's not the fucking but rule. We, well, 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 not down the house, that's, which we reviewed, debuted at the Sundance Film not, Festival. That's not the rule. <laughs> We, I think the rule is whatever discuss, you want it to be on any dis- given week. We've discussed this rule and the flaws so in this rule. So are we going to be reviewing The Irishman on the show? No, we're not going to be reviewing The Irishman well. on the show because The Irishman is a movie. But the interesting oh, yes. thing is The Irishman is going to be in cinemas, unlike this thing that, that they're is calling true. a movie. But their, their distribution deal aside, a movie is a movie is a movie. Yes, the Irishman sequel to the hit television show something. <laughs> <laughs> the Scottishman. Uh, yes. The Scotsman. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, so El Camino, the film which breaks the rules. Uh, I, I don't know. I'm going to watch it, so we'll probably get a chance to discuss it maybe next week. Oh, no, not next week, because I won't have seen it by the time we record. So, Boyd, you might have to talk about it. Why wouldn't you have seen it by the time we record? Because they're doing two screenings. Netflix is putting on one is at, like, silly o'clock in the morning, which yes, I'm not going to, and one is oh, in the right, evening, yeah. and we'll have recorded oh, yeah, the podcast in go. between those two things. <laughs> okay, I'm fine. sure everybody who listens to this is desperately <laughs> yeah, keen diary. to hear about about the minutiae of your diary. This has become this has become about the slow train back from Liverpool and the practical reasons you can't see the Breaking Bad film. Anything else you want to cover off? Notice you had to get the word film in there just to make a point, didn't you? Yes. <laughs> right. Anyway, El Camino drops on Netflix on Friday, the eleventh of October. So, pick of the week. Oh, Oh, Motherland. 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 Motherland yeah. it is. Okay, no argument from me whatsoever. Um, good, good, good. <laughs> Shall we, Banshee, the best and most beloved section of this podcast where we take a show from the days of yore and resurrect it for our, uh, for our listeners' pleasure? Yes. Who would like to go first? Boyd. Okay, I'll go first. Now, I'm going to one of our correspondents, Alex Head, 1987, on Twitter, um, said, can he suggest uh, Banshee suggestions? And I said, yeah, of course you can. So I'm taking one of his suggestions. Now, I, I, the only way I was going to do this was, if, if I hadn't seen or heard of any of his yeah, suggestions, you I would ignore that. them. Yeah. But I have genuinely have heard and seen one of his suggestions, which I'm banshing, which is Dirt, which was a... 2000 and something uh, TV series starring the great Courtney Cox out of Friends mm. um, 2007 and it was on the FX network and she played a glossy tabloid magazine editor of a magazine called Dirt Now which was put together from two older magazines Now which of course used to exist and doesn't anymore and I used country, to work on and used to work on Did you? and mm. 
and dirt. So it's all about the American version of weekly um, gossip magazines, of which I still work on one. Um, so Do was, you? Yes. What the fuck are you doing on this podcast? <laughs> <No>. Get out. <laughs> um, so it was really interesting, and it was a really, and it was quite a authentic because it's one of the hardest things to do generally in on TV and in films is to depict the world of journalism and you know magazines, and they, it's usually often very clunky and unconvincing. And this did do in from memory a pretty good job of making it feel have that and not making it too exaggeratedly glamorous it kind of was like fairly down and dirty and Courtney Cox was great in it Ian Hart was in it as her best mate and it was a really good show and yeah so I recommend Dirt and thanks to Alex Head for reminding me of it good I've never seen that of course you haven't. Of course, you haven't. Of course I haven't. You just described the most un-James Dyer <laughs> yeah. thing ever. It's a show about a tabloid magazine Which, with a woman in it. Yeah. First of all, the woman thing, I believe that is slanderous <laughs> and unfair. I'm a big fan of Courtney Cox, but you're right. I have no respect for uh, Gossip Magazine. Sorry, Boyd. Uh, fictional or otherwise. Sorry. <laughs> she has no respect for half of my life. Poo, yeah. poo to you. That's great. That's what I say. Fine. Well, I'm getting my digs in early because I know that both of you will have nothing but contempt for my Banshee this week, which I'm only assuming I've not done before, but at this point can't remember. Uh, this week, to tie in with my ongoing Battlestar Galactica rewatch, I'm going to talk about Caprica. I mean, shouldn't you be making a note? I'm sure you, I think you have probably done it before, but I will, will let it go. No, I do keep a note. I have Listeners a, I have a long list of potential banshees, and I cross oh. them out as we go, but oh. I have forgotten sometimes. Okay. And also, I only started keeping this quite late on, so there's some stuff might slip through the net. So let's assume. So I've it was the never famous time this. when Terry picked the show on the live one. Yeah. You had banshee before, yeah. Yeah. and yeah. neither none, of us remembered. Well, none no. of us yeah. remembered. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway, so this is Caprica. This was a Battlestar Galactica spin-off that Ron D. Moore did after Galactica finished. It was actually a prequel. It was set on Caprica, one of the twelve colonies before the first Cylon War. So it takes place 58 years before the Battlestar Galactica show. And it features uh, William Adama, Edward James Olmos' character, as a young boy. And it's about... Terry's rolling her eyes, but I'm pressing on. It, uh, it tackles the initial creation of the Cylons. Eric Stoltz is in it. He plays Daniel Greystone, uh, who's the man who pioneers the AI that makes Cylons possible, largely by digitising the consciousness of his deceased teenage daughter. There you go, Terry. Oh, it's now dead, I'm into it. Dead child, <laughs> angst, grieving parents. Okay. You know, it's everything that you love. Um, uh, Dharma's mean, father, meanwhile, is a lawyer tied to organised crime. Oh, no, yeah. you say this is hitting all my... That's right. See, they're tour on, you know, criminals. Um, there's a religious cult, there's terrorism, there's lots of different things going on. Um, it was a very, very different show to Battlestar Galactica, which I think was Moore's intention for this. It was partly, I think, to address that Battlestar being a war in space had quite a male audience. They wanted something that was a bit more sort of Funny across enough. the board. <laughs> um, but this had some of the some of the sort of darkness that Battlestar had, and it mixed it with with sort of sci-fi tech porn and and teen angst. And there was a really fascinating central story to this. Um, it had Bear McCreary who did the music to Battlestar, also did the music for this, and it has a really, really, really good title sequence, which I very much recommend people track down on YouTube because it's excellent. Uh, it didn't get great ratings, so it got cancelled. Ran for one season. Sci-Fi pulled the plug. Uh, this was in 2010. Ran in 2010. Uh, you can pick up that one and only season of Caprica secondhand for three pounds, <laughs> and I think that's a bargain. So when you finish watching Carnival Row, I suggest go out and buy Caprica for three quid. Tense, tense, tense moment. Oh, what's happening? Oh, you were looking at me. Well, no. yeah, yeah, See, yeah. all the way through that, yeah. Terry had just been on her laptop yeah, ignoring me. So yeah. now <laughs> Terry's forced to do a thing where she's supposed to choose a winner now, having not listened to mm. anything I said, mm. which is our entire dynamic in microcosm. <laughs> 
I went to your that shop the other day to get DVD. My shop. That's what I wanted. Oh, did they? Yeah. What was it? You everybody wanted? hates Chris. The, oh, everybody uh, hates Chris. Yeah. Yes, Season one, Cruise. which is totally unavailable anywhere. You know, so we should do a feature at some point, maybe, about things that just aren't available. They've got got the. Oh yeah, great idea. Here's the, here's a load of amazing yeah, you stuff. Can't you, you can't get. You can't get. But they I have, really like Terry. That's on my great. that's on my banshee list. Yeah, it was great. Can I choose that as the winning banshee? Everybody hates Chris. My mate Elgar, it's his favourite show, and I got it to him for his yeah. Yeah, it's really funny. So it's it's a show that's a comedy about the young Chris Rock. Yeah. And it's played by um uh what's the actor's name? He Can't plays remember. him. Okay, but he's in lots of other things. Yeah. He was in he was in well, remember I did that Matthew Perry show Go On? Oh yeah. yeah. Remember yeah. he was Lately. in that. He's yeah. in that as well. Right. Um but yeah, he's really good. And it had Terry Crews in it playing his dad. Yeah. And isn't it narrated by Chris Rock? Yeah. Yeah, it's narrated by Chris Rock. It's about a fictionalized version of the young Chris Rock. Really funny. Yeah. It was great. Look what we did there. That's three banshees for the price <laughs> of two. I know. And the winning one is the unexpected, <laughs> unprepared for Everybody Hates Chris Banshee. Yeah, that ran for one season, didn't it? Everybody no, hates no, Chris. no. That's the thing. There were like four seasons. There were four seasons. And seasons two, three, and four you can get very easily. Like but one on you a, can't. One you can't. It's insane. Why? Like, I don't know. There no must be knows. some kind of legal wrangling. Not, yeah, there's must be legal So two, three, and four are on Amazon Prime and I think in America and you can on iTunes here, but... Season one, you can't get, but it was in, what's it called, that shop? Computer Exchange. Computer Exchange. Yes. Uh, yeah. yeah, okay, fine. So this, yeah. is, this is a hot tip. Go and pick up the first yeah. season of Everybody Hates Chris for Let's Guess. Well, about about two quid, yeah. isn't it? It's going to be about I mean, two quid. And that was the last one. I got, I, I yeah, I'm sure there's others. There may be others. Anyway. I'm sure there's yes. others. All right, good. <laughs> Terry has picked that as the winner. <laughs> Well done, Terry. Okay. Thank you. And that is it, I guess, for another episode of the Pilot TV podcast. We hope it has been both entertaining and informative, or, failing that, uh, at least as much fun as being gnawed on by a corpse during the zombie apocalypse, hmm. which is what we strive for. Uh, as ever, we'd love some iTunes stars from you, five to be precise. And if you've already done that, then perhaps some kind of pilot tattoo, you know, nothing extravagant, maybe a little like tramp stamp of the uh, Pilot TV logo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'd be good. Excellent. Hit us up on social media at James C. Dyer, at Terry underscore White, and at Boyd Hilton. And if you live anywhere near the greater Belfast area, you can see, well, me at least, live on the Empire podcast in two weeks when we visit that fair city on the 17th of October. Uh, tickets are available on the Cine Magic website, the address of which I don't know. But Google can point the way. Join us next week on the pilot podcast when we will be investigating Sarah Phelps' Dublin murders, won't we, Boyd? We certainly will. Yes, we will. And we'll be watching Paul Rudd engage in some self-love in Netflix's Living With Yourself. Uh, Until then, though, I will be dreaming about the Berg, the Fae, and what I do with a pair of fairy wings while waiting patiently for the next season of the magnificent Carnival Row. Pilot out.